1: I'm Scott Woodward and this is the Think Brick podcast.
0: On today's podcast, it's another pleasure of mine and a highlight of this role to interview one of our longest supporters of Brick. In fact, I'm sure there's not a year where they haven't built something in Brick. Scott Woodward from Wawawa Architecture. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's our pleasure, and it's been a long history of all the bricks projects that you've entered into the awards and constructed over all of this time. And you've been such a wonderful supporter of what we've done as well. But before we talk about brick and your architecture and buildings, can we start with a little bit about your childhood and what it was like growing up?
1: So, my parents built our house back in the early 80s, and my dad's a total. Border. So one of the first things he did was he drove past a building site that just had a whole heap of cream bricks from something that had just been knocked down. Wow. So he just got them to deliver all of those bricks to our house and dump them in the front garden, which was still a building site at the time. And pretty much we got paid, I think it was about 10 cents a brick, my brother and I, to chip off all the mortar on these bricks. So yeah, that was... first sort of interaction it's like we graduated from lego straight into actual bricks and building things in the back garden with brick so yeah we sort of chip all the mortar off go over in the garden somewhere and start stacking them up and it started as just normal stacks yeah and then we started getting a little bit more like crazy and creative with the way that we're actually stacking all of those bricks so yeah 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 and my dad was an um engineer background and he used to do a little bit of drafting on the side as well so it was a sort of sideways step into architecture for me.
0: Oh right and was it 30,000 bricks? Was it the average do you um, remember, or I mean, what, did you build a double brick house, or was it single?
1: It was single skin. It was very homesteady style. Right. And yeah, he got all these bricks to do the paving in for the the driveway and for the veranda around the house.
0: Right. Yeah. Wow. So it really yeah, yeah, yeah recycled. Yeah. Is the house still there today?
1: It is, but they sold it maybe ten years ago. But yeah, it's still there. Still there.
0: And so. Um, you just touched on a little bit, obviously you had the manual kind of labour there. Yeah. When did you know that architecture was for you?
1: I accidentally fell into architecture. I did fine art before architecture. Okay. So I was at RMIT, I did the degree course there, and at the end of final year, there's an exhibition, and the Dean of Architecture at RMIT at the time a couple of pieces that I had in that exhibition, Sand Helsel, And yeah, at the opening we were just having a chat, and she was like, I think that you should do architecture. And I was like, Okay, that sounds good. That sounds like I don't have to do anything for another five years at least. So I'm just gonna do that. So she just arranged for me to get into the course, which is really good because I don't think I would have got in if she didn't sort of put me through the back door kind of thing. So yeah, it was just a complete accidental you finished thing. Fine
0: arts? Yeah, I finished
1: and, fine arts yeah. and I think that all the work that I was doing while I was practicing was very much engaged with architecture like it was working a lot with suburban conditions playing around with suburban house forms and sort of mapping in the city of just plans of houses and things like that so it was always had that bench on it yeah yeah
0: and when you can I take a a step further backwards yeah what made you do fine arts I mean where Um, did that come from
1: I guess I'm not really sure it was just something like I never really sketched or anything like that but when I originally went to get into finance course I was trying to get into painting because I really liked painting but I was kind of a bit crap at it so I didn't get into painting but then they offered me a spot in sculpture instead so yeah I ended up just taking that spot thinking I'll start that and then I'll go into painting and then just stayed in sculpture the whole way through and really enjoyed that kind of process and yeah the construction and the designing and just thinking three-dimensionally so
0: and also yeah what a great sort of prerequisite yeah to yeah yeah so you obviously enjoyed university yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah.
1: for at least 10 years oh
0: wow and when you started architecture did any architects make an impression on you when you were because you obviously haven't come in with any preconceived
1: ideas is what I'm thinking yeah it's funny because I studied overseas did a year of study in the Netherlands okay and when I went over there it was in Utrecht and at the time you know there was a lot of OMA buildings some of the really influential OMA buildings that were in construction and I remember riding past them you know on the way to Union and it was always really interesting but it was just not engaged at all in architecture. It was all just about fine art going to the galleries. But it's sort of funny because they registered and thinking back to it, like after starting architecture, yeah, it was just really strange thinking, God, I should have paid more attention to what was actually happening in terms of the buildings that were being built around me at the time.
0: When did you go to the Netherlands?
1: That was 94. Okay. And that was just an exchange program with RMIT and it was the first one that they did. Okay. it was funny because it was two girls from the Netherlands that contacted RMIT and said, we want to do an exchange program, are you up for it? And yeah. then, yeah, they invited people who were interested within sculpture department and I got one of the places. And then basically we just swapped right. lives. Like they moved in with the share house that I was in and then we moved into their house. So wow. yeah, it was really, really funny, but it was a great experience. It was really awesome.
0: What were your key takeaways from that one?
1: It was funny because I think that there was always that perception that, you know, we were kind of inferior over here in, you know, Australia in terms of okay. our practice. But when we went over there, we realized there were three of us that went over and we just realized how hard we were actually working in terms of just doing work and constantly being producing. Because when we went over there within the first month, we produced almost more work than the rest of the students produ- produced for the entire year. Wow. And they were a bit like, what are you doing slow down like you know take your time and yeah a lot of the teachers were just shocked by the amount of stuff and how active we were in making things happen as well so like that was really interesting interesting.
0: yeah do you know how they found it over here
1: they had no they had a really great time too yeah they moved out of the share house that I was in pretty quickly because the two guys I was living with at the time were kind of quiet particular cats so yeah they only lasted about three months and then they went off and Wow. found other places to live but you know my, one of my friends dated one of them for quite a while and they stay oh, wow. in touch now so yeah. and did,
0: did they keep up with the workload then if you said there was a bit of a gear change there did, did they adapt to that
1: yeah they did and okay. they produced really amazing stuff wow. while they were here i mean it was a really good course at the time it was peter cripps and robert owen so it was a really good group of people who were actually teaching at that time
0: we're now up to you starting the architecture degree, yeah. so now the five years. Yeah. Right. And you've gone in with very little expectation. Yeah. And how did you find it?
1: I think they just got really inspired while they were here and yeah, produced really amazing work. So I remember the first main creep that we had at the end of the first semester that I did and in art, when you were talking about your work, it was always very open-ended. So, you know, you'd go, oh, it's about the idea of blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah, And then pulling out all of that stuff in that crit, they really drilled down on you. And it's not, it's not about the idea of what is the idea. So it was much more specific and focused. Mm-hmm. And that was, yeah, that was a real shock at the start. And that was, again, trying to change gears into the way that you talk about architecture. It felt like it was a little bit different, just how much more focused and you know, accurate you had to be in terms of the, the way that you actually spoke about ideas and the work.
0: And did you fall in love with it? Because you sort of <laughs> fell into it. Was there a point where things just clicked for you?
1: So most of the art stuff I was doing at the end was outdoor, temporal stuff. So yeah. I was doing mostly working with sticky tape and going out into spaces and making huge sort of like sticky tape drawings. Right. And I did a heap in Utrecht when I was living there and they were all just about the old churches that had disappeared from the space. So it was going back out and marking out where all of their footings and spaces oh, right. were. So okay. they, were, they were really, really large. Like There was about five to six kilometres of tape in each piece and you used to go out, when it got dark, you'd go out into one of the squares and start taping everything out and then in the morning it'd just be there and people would sort of go this kind of thing so it always had this sort of architectural element so it was engaged with it and it just felt like it transitioned into actually yeah, doing architecture and designing it wasn't a massive step but yeah I just sort of enjoyed that it was kind of like a real thing as well so I did quite a few shows when you were sculpting yeah yeah and you end up setting everything up, doing all the work, setting it up in the gallery and then sitting there for three or four days minding the gallery and maybe 10 people had come in over, you know, four or five hours or something and it felt a little bit of a lonely existence. Yeah, That's right, yeah. And, then, yeah, maybe I just wasn't cut out for that. So I really liked the, you know, architecture. You were working with someone, it was a collaborative process mm-hmm. and the outcome had a bigger, whether it's a family home or whether you know, it's a civic building, it has like a bigger
0: Impact um, and, yeah, yeah. Impact, yeah, Did you travel in those five years when you were still studying? I'd done
1: a second stint in Holland as well at the Rietveld Academy because okay. someone dropped out of okay. the, the exchange program. I was doing an honours year and that was after Sam said, you know, come and do architecture. So I wasn't really fully committed to doing that. And I was filling a gap for the school, so I didn't really get much done while okay. I was over there. Yeah, But, yeah, there was a bit of a break, I think, until yeah, doing sort of further travel after...
0: During that time, were there any architects that made an impression on you?
1: Yeah, I think ARM really early on because when they were doing their Story Hall project, there was heaps of discussion about it in the art department because it was out there project and even the way that they treated the gallery space that's sort of next to Story Hall as well. A lot of the, the first opening exhibition they had I remember there was an artist called Deborah Ostro. Okay. And her piece that she did in it was she just went down to Franco Cotto and borrowed a whole heap of furniture and like put that into the space. And she was talking about how she just felt like she needed something really overly gestural to compete with the level of architecture within the space. So there was a lot of discussion about how, you know, it just wasn't a white box and how you actually do installation work within that space. So there was a that sort of had a really big impact and I think that that was one of the things that really opened my eyes to what architecture could potentially be as well. Yeah, so that was the sort of really first, that was the first practice that I really took an interest in and really started to engage with. Okay,
0: so you finish university for the second time now with an (laughs) architecture degree and what do you do then?
1: I got a job at Bruce Henderson Architects Yes, and it was, yeah, it was really amazing because there was They were sort of starting to try and pitch themselves as focusing more on a design practice and they had a whole lot of graduates in at that time and had some really amazing people like Andrew Walter was there, Jean-Paul Rollo, Mel Bright was there as well. So that was the first time I ever interacted with Mel outside of school. So it was a really interesting time and we all lasted there for about a year and then we all kind of drifted off into other things and that's when after that, I got a job with Cassandra Complex. Yes. And yeah, that's where Mon and I met there. And I think that that's, you know, that practice had a massive influence on how we approach architecture in our practice. How
0: did it change you?
1: I think again, it's that it just opens your eyes to the potential of what buildings can be like Cass did the Pamela Anderson house. That was probably the most well-known project. Mm. And when that was going through, like I really like the story because when it was going through planning, it sort of got through because it had textured glass, which was, right. what was a description of the front. Mm-hmm. So when they started putting all the panels up, it had plastic on it and some of the panels or some of the plastic ripped off and then you could actually see that it was an image and then pretty soon it ended up on the Herald Sun front page, like, you know, tear it down kind of thing. Yes. But it had to go back through a VCAT, but it was really interesting because the argument they made was that it was... A very traditional classical building because architecture has always had sculptures and faces yes. as part of the facade, so that everything else was actually the radical stuff. And this was, you know, this was a very traditional building, and mm. that that had a really big impact as mm-hmm. well. Um, and yeah, one of the main projects that I worked on there was Platypusry. That was really awesome. Basically, the brief for that was a sort of display for a zoo that showed a. Nocturnal animal that was never out during the daytime. So basically like there was nothing to really show It was more of a structure than a building to a certain extent mm-hmm. Essentially the program for the platypusery was we need to make two captive platypus breed because it hadn't been done before It wasn't a brief of this mini bedrooms blah, 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 It's a school. It's this it was sort of like this quite odd thing that you had to do a lot of research to actually understand um, So yeah, I think that again so much of it was just sort of broadening what you thought architecture could be yeah. and what was about.
0: So how did you make them breed?
1: Captive platypus had never been breed before. And yeah, they had twins the first year. I think they had twins the second year. And then I think the first four years they, yeah, had heaps of baby platypus. So it must've been very sexy.
0: Right, now did you use that when you started uh, to just say, don't worry about IBS; we've got it covered. Yeah. <laughs> we've done it with the well,
1: platypuses. Yeah, yeah. sort of like, well, yeah, we can address any breed That's because, right. you know, like, <laughs> You know how hard can it be? We've done. We've got something that's never happened before. So,
0: exactly you know, an yeah. excellent example. Yeah, yeah. So when did you and Mon then decide to start? Well, wow, well, well, what, what was?
1: Um, it was 2010, I think it was. Mon mm-hmm. had been at ARM for a year after she graduated. I was at BKK at the time. I'd been there for a few years, and we started the practice with Mon's best friend at the time, Jen Wood, who's left early on to go and pursue. A master's degree okay. in the states so she yeah. started her own practice over there now so i think it was just um you know mon mon's always pretty driven and she'd always you know wanted to start her own thing so it just seemed like the appropriate time mm-hmm. to actually do that and so jen and mon would run practice during the day and then at night we generally do meetings all together and then go off to do um client meetings and things after hours so that i could be part of it As well but yeah I think and again like I guess I just sort of fall into things like and that was just what was happening so I went along with it and (laughs) it seems to be working out so far
0: now I don't want to precipitate this with a with a correct answer but I mean if you look back I, I remember one of your first entries into the Think Break Awards and I'm not sure if it was your first project as well was it
1: it was one of the first. Yeah. Because some of the first projects we had were projects that were after Cassandra Complex wrapped up. Yes. A couple of clients, we kept some projects running. So yes. I think it was also that it made it a little bit easier to start up because we had a couple of projects to get us launched. Yeah. And then that first project that we put in, think Brick Awards was the Finn house with the red glazed brick wall. That's right. Beautiful. And you know, a lot of architects' first projects end up being for one of their parents.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, so that was the parent project that helped really yeah. launch the practice as well, so.
0: Looking back on that now, would you have done anything differently?
1: Um, no, I don't think so. I think that each projects, you're doing what you know at the time. And I think that for us, you know again we were sort of playing around with things as much as we could within that project mm-hmm. and then the things that follow are always evolutions of you know the projects and taking them trying to take them further and yeah. further and further so you know it was a really fun project and i think mom's parents just really loved that house and mm-hmm. they ended up selling it, but they were so sad to to yeah. sell it but yeah i mean it was really interesting you know it was always like that massive wall and the massive wall was The feature of it Mm. and the real identifier for the project as well. But yeah, no, I think that I guess you're always, anything that you learn, you try and apply to the next project.
0: So then all your other projects, and I mean, there's Merry House, there's Tiger Prawn, and you obviously have designed a lot in brick. And I should say also not always brick. I mean, but why brick? And maybe think of those couple of projects.
1: Going back to my early stories of playing around with bricks. And again, coming out of art practice, other types of work that I used to do used to be plaster casting projects. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, there'd be a plaster cast of something and then make thousands of them. So it always had this sort of like individual pixel, like nature, mm. and then the smaller things would make up a bigger picture or plan or something like that. So I think that brick is just an extension from that sort of process that I went through Art practice, you mm-hmm. have so much control over how you can actually build mm-hmm. something up, be it an image within the bricks, be it patterning. You can layer it up pretty well, and I know the other thing too with brick is that you know we always leave the brick exposed, so that you know we're picking it based on the color and the patterning, and you know we work heavily through form, um, mm-hmm. but then overlaying the patterning on that, and it means that it's built into into the project so it becomes really part of it and you know it can't be vamed out which is one of the things that we always talk about is mm. that you know you put it there it's there later on someone might render over or something which is massive crime but mm. it's more that yeah it's sort of part of the project and it's mm. always there
0: over the years what would be your favorite i know it's like asking someone to choose their favorite chart one of your most memorable ones
1: it's sort of hard i mean i really liked working on Merry Creek house mm. just because it was just a really odd plan but the plan worked really really well and also you know there was a lot of technical aspects in terms of the detailing of the three turrets that run mm. through the site um, yeah and they were just great clients to work with as well so I think resi-wise that's my favorite and on the civic side as well although it was a real um, a long road the project with the Narry warren footy club yes. as well it was a really great project just because that was one of those projects that we were involved with from you know the ground up so helping them get funding to do the project and then sort of staying on and actually delivering the project and delivering an outcome that for them it it sort of also to a certain extent secured the financial security of the club because they had a venue that they could actually use for hiring out Events and things like that, and yeah, there was something really nice about the holistic approach to that project. Mm -hmm. And I think the one that I'm most excited about at the moment is the new building at Auburn High School um, on the cliff edge. So
0: that uh, that, that looks amazing. Yeah, so that's
1: quite exciting, and that's in construction at the moment. So
0: and working with bricks so much is. Are there in these different projects? Has there been anything that surprised you, or that you know you didn't expect?
1: So you know, we work a lot. with form rather than you know doing hit and miss and screening and treating them as a screen or anything like that like we're very much about that solid form Mm -hmm. and I think it's always surprising how far you can push the envelope in terms of what you can build and shape Mm -hmm. through just brickwork, Mm -hmm. and with just using you know the really standard squints and cans and you know combining them with normal bricks just how Free form you can actually get and free flowing you can get with what is essentially a rectangular
0: line. Yeah yeah, 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 which yeah. seems that it has a lot of constraints. Yeah. And you, you speak very passionately about your approach to architecture as well, as and yeah. also being certified. Yeah. Where do you see architects' role in what's going on at the moment in terms of the environment?
1: You know, everyone's pushing to make more sustainable projects at the moment many architects and you know we're really trying to do as well is go to that point where it's more than just the architecture that it's a much more holistic approach to not only how sustainable the building is in terms of its construction at the time but then in terms of the longevity how the building can be potentially dismantled and reused and how the materials that are within it can be recycled and used in the future Mm -hmm. looking at projects in terms of an entire lifespan in both the making and the ending of the building is something that we're really pushing at the moment so yeah that's what we're trying to really look at in terms of particularly with school buildings because they have 20 years or 30 years they there'll be a new pedagogy and they will be reworked so if you're using materials that you know like brick for example there's so many options to reconfigure those buildings and a couple of projects that we've done at Hampton Park Secondary College have been you know using sort of adaptive reuse of existing brick buildings on site and transforming them into something completely different that caters for a completely different pedagogy so there's something nice about that as well that reusing buildings as much as possible is a you know there's so much embodied energy that goes into creating a building and it's how that can be turned into something else is something that's always on our mind too. Yeah.
0: And Scott, you guys have entered the awards for so many years. What's your experience (laughs) been like and any tips?
1: It's a really fun experience because I was sort of saying this earlier that it's one of the few programs where it's not just the architects, it's actually the architects and it's builders and it's suppliers and you're all there together celebrating projects that you've essentially collaborated on and i think that's one of the nicest things about the think brick awards is everyone that's involved in both the conceptual side and the delivery of the project because so often we're working really closely with the suppliers and the manufacturers of the products that it's nice that if it actually gets an award at the end that you're all there to celebrate that mm-hmm. moment together
0: yeah yeah I think I'm wondering, when you started obviously with bricks and sculpting those brick stacks into something yeah. else, do you still sculpt today?
1: Not really. I think architecture has just really replaced <laughs> sculpture for me. And, you know, I think that all of our buildings do have a pretty strong sculptural element to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe that's just a little bit of ties to the past. But no, I, I don't really miss it. I think I've just sort of drifted into the world of architecture and yeah fell in love with that.
0: Well, Scott, it's been so interesting to learn about this and I can really see now all the pieces coming together. But thank you all of these years for participating and always wanting to be part of everything I think I've asked you to do and especially today for being on the podcast. Thank nice. you.
1: And thank you so much for everything that you've done over the last 13 years as well for the industry and particularly all of the architecture profession as well. We really appreciate it. Yeah, your are thank you. Cheers, thanks.
0: If you have enjoyed this podcast, please follow, rate and review our podcast. We are always looking for new ways to think brick. If you have an idea of what you'd like to hear about, there's a link in our show notes to let us know.